Appreciate you indulging our family and worship. We, we don't know what else to do but to worship the Lord. So the kids practiced with us coming back and of course practicing uh, that we are believing for God to still perform a miracle. I got a text that Sister Sandy Keys uh, is in the hospital this morning. So uh, she had some sort of uh, blockage, Sister Laylee said they're looking now and went in uh, last night. So uh, let's pray for her and of course Brother Tracy and all of these needs. We, I know we've prayed once, but let's just believe the Lord again for a healing touch. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your many blessings. Pray, Lord, you will continue to touch. Hallelujah, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I know that um, it's... Uh, Everybody is in a hangover from eating too much and uh, then depressed from the game yesterday, unless your sister Kathy or brother Caleb or a few others. And um, so it, it is, um, as I said, our, our children were singing in the car and practicing and, and uh, we, we have, uh, you know, you say, well, uh, you know, you've never been anything through anything. Well, I think we all have. And, and what's unfortunate is as you read the news, it's uh, rather uh, depressing. <clears throat> they talk about another variant, another COVID variant. <clears throat> and I haven't felt like we're over the first one yet. And now we're facing another one. And who knows? But you know what? None of this has caught the Lord out of out, out of mind or out of control or not understanding what's going on. The Lord knows exactly what's going on. And if it keeps us praying and it keeps us dependent on Him and it opens the door for a revival, hallelujah, let it fall. It's good to have all of you here. I saw Sister Kelsey Hall here, and Lord bless her. Good to have her home. We're glad that all of you are in the house of the Lord, and we are, in fact, a growing apostolic legacy. And I was thinking as we were looking, and of course this week, uh, for, you know, we were just 
one phone call, one uh, response, one after another, and uh, from doctors and David's physicians and those that he had, had contacted and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I, uh, you know, uh, Siobhan overheard uh, some stuff and then we began to, to explain to her and pray and, and we begin to praise the Lord and all of these things. And I, I begin to think, what does it mean to walk in the anointing? Anybody want to walk in the anointing? And we anoint with oil and we symbolically will give a prayer cloth, we will pray, we will take the oil, and it symbolizes, of course, the anointing. And, and we want, uh, we do that, we pray for the sick. Typically, we only anoint with oil uh, because uh, of what James said, any sick, let him call for the elders of the church, anointing them with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. We know the oil doesn't save. We know it's the prayer, and you don't have to have uh, oil. You don't have to have it in a, a liquid form. I know uh, for ministers, they have a, a like a oil, a frankincense, or a myrrh sometimes. I've seen where it's a, sort of like a lip balm almost. It's a, an anointing uh, oil, they call it, but it's in a more of a paste form, and that way it doesn't spill in your pocket and and uh, at times I've had some of those and I, you know, and I, that's not bad either. But when you read, whether it's Psalms 133 or when you look back in Exodus, the anointing oil was a significant amount of oil. As a matter of fact, um, I was at a church many years ago preaching uh, as an evangelist and, and they had a big uh, vase, remember that? A big urn and it came up, had a spout on it and when they would pray they would pour the oil and it would just run down the face because they wanted to do it like the Bible said, you know, and um, I, I guess if you got sick, you wore something you didn't mind washing when you got home because uh, they it, it, it went down on your head, I mean down your face, and they gave you a good dose of oil. And I was like, woo, never been there, never, never seen that before. And, and I not saying it was wrong or right or necessary, I, I don't know, but that was the original. And I guess when you look at it and you say, well, you know, pastor, this anointing, uh, you know, goes back actually to the word Messiah. Everybody say Messiah. 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 It's only used two times in the Old Testament. It's used in the book of Daniel, the ninth chapter, the 25th verse and the 26th verse. And it says, the Messiah, the Prince, Messiah, the Messiah comes. And we talk about the Messiah and it is, uh, you know, uh, it's a, it is a, uh, a very familiar story. It's a very important story. And as a matter of fact, 
it's a story that the Messiah that is often referred to in the book of John, the fourth chapter, and I didn't put those verses there, but uh, Messiah actually means that, well, I did, sorry, there, there it is, John, the first chapter, rather, uh, Messiah, the prince. When the Messiah comes, it means the anointed one. That's what Messiah means, the anointed one. And, and you remember uh, whenever uh, I put the John first chapter, uh, I didn't put the fourth chapter, but the John the first chapter was the first time in the book of John that that word is used in reference to Jesus. Whenever we know that Andrew said this, uh, when one of the two which heard John speak followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He finds his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, being interpreted the Christ. Everybody say Christ. Christ. And when you read the Greek word Christos, it means the same as the Old Testament word Messiah. So when you say Jesus Christ, you are saying Jesus the Messiah. You are saying, in effect, Jesus, the anointed. Jesus, the anointed one. If you say Jesus Christ, it's Jesus, the anointed. Christos, Greek. In the Old Testament, Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus being Yeshua, the Redeemer. Joshua, Jesus saves, but yet, in, the, and in response, it is Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Andrew called him that. And when Jesus beheld him, he, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonas, thou shalt be called Cephas, or Peter, which is, by interpretation, a stone. So Christ and, of course, uh, Jesus and Messiah are the same. Old Testament, New Testament. Fourth chapter, I didn't put the verses there, but for those of you that are scholars, will remember them very well when Jesus goes up into Samaria. Remember the story? And he sees the woman at the well and they begin the discussion on where should you worship, this mountain or that mountain? You remember specifically what this woman says. In the fourth chapter of John, she says, when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. When the anointed one comes. And what did Jesus say to her when she said, when the Messiah comes? I'm the guy. I am he. So Jesus clearly identified himself as being the anointed one. And now you say, well, what does this have to do with us walking in the anointing? Well, uh, you know, while I'm saying, I understand the anointing oil in the Old Testament was made with a special formula of all kinds of herbs and frankincense and all kinds of formula, and it was used to anoint uh, people into a special calling. And, and here it is. Typically, in the Old Testament, they anointed prophets. Everybody say prophets. And they anointed uh, priests. Everybody say priests. And then they anointed kings. Everybody say kings. And that's when Samuel anoints David and Samuel anointed Saul and all of those were kings. Of course, the priests 
They had not only anointed the head, but they anointed their thumb and their big toe so that they would, their hands and would be doing right, their feet would walk the right place, etc., etc. Priests, uh, prophets, of course, were also anointed. And, and there are just some of those verses, you know, uh, that you see there, and there are many, many more. And so, uh, you know, what's amazing, though, this, when Jesus' first introduction to Simon Peter, Andrew runs up to him and said, Come see the Messiah. Come see the anointed one. Because he's told us everything. And so, come see this anointed one. Now, we don't have any record of Simon Peter ever addressing him as the anointed one, except when, G, when he says... You know, some say I'm this, some say I'm that. And whom do you say? We say thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. So Simon knew, as a matter of fact, later on, Simon himself preaching uh, to, the, uh, to the Cornelius' house, to the Gentiles, the first preacher to the Gentiles. You remember what Simon began to preach. He had to be uh, given a vision, let down the sheet, let down all of that, figure out who he was, you know, that I can go to the unclean, and if God calls him clean, and he finally, after three times getting awakened by an angel, he's willing to go, and, and he says, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. How many believe that? Because if it were, weren't true, none of us would be here. I don't think there's any of us that are good enough to say, I deserve this. Huh? He said, of a truth, I perceive God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, a couple things, he that feareth him... <laughs> You, you cannot come to God unless you are, have a little respect for God. Amen. You know, huh. no, brother, you're exactly right, Brother Wells, a whole lot of respect. You know, I understand the world wants to paint God as he's my buddy. We play football. We do a lot of things together. Me and God, we're tight. God's awesome. And I mean that in the nicest way. He, when people saw God, they fell down like they were dead. And I understand. We feel the presence of God. We raise our hands. We have, it's wonderful. I love, you know, living in 2021 and grace and mercy. But that still does not take from the fact that our God deserves our respect, our fear, our reverence, and our, our humility before Him. God doesn't owe me anything. God doesn't owe me. You know, well, I can't believe God hasn't done this. I can't believe God hasn't done that. I can't believe after all I've done. Don't ever allow your emotions to go there. God is awesome. God knows what he's doing. God is able. You cannot... That he said every nation, him that feareth him. And then the next part of that was and worketh what? Righteousness. Everybody says does what's right. You know, not only are you supposed to fear God, 
but you're supposed to do what's right. Yes. Now you say, well, I don't have any fear. Well, bless your heart. Hit a deer at about 5.05, <laughs> dusky dark. And from then on, Cars pulling and I'm, oh God, what's, huh? Amen. Oh Lord. Huh. Oh, what's that? I saw a glimmer of something. You know, they have those little, on the guardrails, they have those little white markers, you know, every so often. And some of them aren't very dim and all of a sudden one will catch your eye. Oh, oh Lord, what? You say, what are, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying fear ought to change our behavior a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can act like, oh, God understands. He and I are cool. It's no, but when you have something that you go, oh, God, I want to do what's right. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to. Say, well, are you saying that you should be afraid God's going to judge you? No, but I have that kind of fear that it works righteousness. The fear of the Lord is wisdom and is accepted with him. The word of God, which was sent unto the children of Israel. This is Simon preaching, but peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word I say, you know. <clears throat> which was published throughout all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus, here's what he said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now he ties that to the baptism when Jesus went down into the baptism at waters of repentance. And I know, you know, I know it's, it's Sunday morning after Thanksgiving and all of you that are here, Bible scholars, and you remember the whole story of the baptism and he goes into the water and John doesn't want to baptize him, but finally agrees to baptize him and that when he comes up, there is a dove and we have a dove behind this sign here and the dove descends and the voice says, Thou art my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased and there and when you read those verses it's found in Mark the fourth chapter it first chapter Matthew the fourth chapter Luke the fourth chapter the Bible says Jesus went from that baptism in the spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost or in the anointing it was as if what what Simon told Cornelius was that was the symbolic time when the Holy Ghost descended like a dove. So when you talk about, you know, he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness, it says, led by the Spirit into the wilderness in some different versions. And so when you see that, and yet we know that Jesus was a child born supernaturally, Andrew had already observed that he was the Messiah after the anointing Simon Peter still had to get the revelation that he was the Christ the anointed and so I am not saying that's the only point in which the anointing was possible but when you realize that what happened was that that presence of God the symbolic 
point of the presence. When we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it is like being anointed by God. Not anointed with oil, but anointed by the fire of the Holy Ghost. It sits on our head as it did in Acts, the second chapter. There is an anointing that comes with the power and presence of Almighty God that you can't get it any other way than by saying, Lord, I fear you, I love you, I worship you. And when you begin to praise and magnify God, the anointing will fall on you. And yet John talked about how important it is for us to abide in him. To walk in the anointing, if you will. How do you walk in the anointing? And I know you can have the Holy Ghost, receive the Holy Ghost. But how do you walk in the anointing when everything's going crazy and when things are falling apart and when this is happening and that's happening? How do you stay connected to the vine? And John wrote all of this and I taught in hyphen about that sense of abiding and staying connected. And John, uh, I, I forgot what chapter it is in John where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, in his gospel. But John in the second chapter, you can read the whole chapter. It's, uh, it's a little long, but uh, I know uh, we're not going to have service tonight here. The choir will be practicing. But read 1 John, the second chapter. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. Okay, how many have been past that verse? Oh, pastor, that's what the anointing does. It convicts you when you're doing. Amen. Amen. Huh? Yes. That's how you know you're abiding. When you don't feel like, when you say, well, I'm a good guy, and I, I'm pretty good, and I don't really need. Watch out. That's a red flag. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Why? Because all of us should need the anointing the presence and power of God. And when you go, well, but I'm not as bad as, sorry, you're sounding like that Pharisee. Yeah, think about it. Just thinking, I mean, yeah. thank God I'm not like that one. I need the anointing, you need the anointing. He said, I write to you that you sin not, but if any man sin, that's the answer. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is a propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but the sins of the entire world. It's a great chapter. You keep reading. It goes on to, Whoso keeps his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. In him. And he that saith he abideth in him... Let me go on. Ought himself so also so to walk even as he walked. Yes. If you are in him, you ought to act like him. Right. All the time. All the time. And is that one hard? Yeah. Huh? When things don't go right, when things don't happen the way you want, 
when somebody does something that I I got you know one or two little examples of him cleansing the temple and so I use that one a lot I ride that horse as much as I can well at least Jesus got angry huh <clears throat> think it was a little bit different he was angry because they weren't letting the Gentiles in the outer court but just saying huh if you abide in him you ought to live like him and walk like him and then he goes through and my wife's taught on it and we've preached about it and, and you know talks about young men and their sins and and all uh, you know fathers and theirs and children and there all of that's in first john the second chapter and all of the the delineations of of needing you know the strength of god and and whatever and then he says something like this love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him boy that's tough for all that is in the world and he goes through the lust of the flesh man that pie looks good brother Don sister bit made me a pie and it's sitting on my desk it's called the lust of the flesh in fact I got two of them sorry you're not invited no sir I'm going to do just fine but I appreciate the offer the lust of the flesh anybody let their flesh get indulged this past week oh pastor why you preach this kind of a sermon after thanksgiving the lust of the eyes the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world, what's going to happen to it all? Pass away. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. But you have an unction from the Holy One. That word unction is also another word for an anointing, a touch from the Holy One. And you know all things. And he goes on to say, and this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. These things have I written unto you the concerning them that seduce you. <coughs> but the anointing which we have received of him does what? Walks, abides in us. When you got the Holy Ghost and the anointing of God touched you, it's supposed to be in you. Now, what do you mean? And so, why don't I always feel it? Well, it might be either something I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing. I'm not fearing him. I'm not respecting him. I'm acting, you know, in my own will. I'm doing my own thing. I want it my way and not his way, whatever it is. But I know that if I abide in him, he abides in me. It's up to me to stay connected to Him. 
If I'm not feeling it, and they sang today, sometimes I don't feel like I'm in the middle of the anointing, but I have to keep worshiping and praising and believing. God, you are here. You are able. You have the all power. When you go through, he said, he hath received the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you all things is truth, is no lie. Even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming what are you saying I'm saying that when we are abiding and staying full of his presence that's what gives me the confidence whenever I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil for thou art with me what are you talking about whenever a blow comes whether it's a doctor's report whether it's something else whether it's a deer whatever I just keep believing Lord I'm still in the anointing. I'm still in the anointing. I'm still walking in the anointing. You say, well, what are you saying? Is the enemy wants to do everything in his power to make me feel separated from the anointing? Huh? He wants to overwhelm me. He wants to depress me. He wants to Fear me, whatever he can do, because I feel like, God, I can't feel you. I can't, huh? That's when I just keep praising anyway. Why? Because I know I'm abiding in him. If I'm doing something I shouldn't, I say, Lord, forgive me. If any man sin, he have an advocate with the Father. If the Lord's correcting me, correct me, Lord. Get rid of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Why? I want to stay abiding in you, Lord. You say, well, I want to do my thing and have the anointing too. Sorry! Well, I want my cake. <laughs> to walk in the anointing means that you stay connected. That's why science, That's why the Apostle Paul was able to say, therefore, if any man be what? In Christ. What is he? New creature. He is totally different. All things are past. You say, but it's not my personality to... I, I, it's not my personality to worship the Lord like that. It's not my personality to raise my hands. It's not my personality to pray. It's not my personality to, you know, I'm just not an emotional. Go, box! I'm, I'm not an emotional. That's not me at all, Pastor. You just don't understand. Are you stupid? Didn't you see that guy? Well, they're not. I can't take it anymore. I got to get another bag of chips. Huh? But I don't respond. I am very, when it comes to Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he is a 
Old things are passed away and behold all things become new. All things are of God who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ and hath given, notice this phrase, to us the ministry of reconciliation. This was written to a church. It wasn't just written to preachers. Everybody say the ministry of reconciliation. Think about that. To wit. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Yes. Now then, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled unto God. Simon Peter wrote something very similar when he said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Why was Jesus called the Messiah? Why was Jesus called the Christ? Why was Jesus called the anointed one? Why are we supposed to abide in him and have the anointing flow to us? Because Jesus was a prophet. He spoke the word of God. He spoke what God told him to speak. Alright? Not only was he a prophet, but he was a priest. When the high priest tore his garment at the trial, the high priest transferred his authority to Jesus because the high priest was never supposed to tear his garment. He is a priest. Later the Bible talks about we have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Remember? He was also the king. The king. And I know... That's hard to imagine. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They mocked him. They laughed. Ha, ha, ha. You say you're a king? Look, we'll put crown of thorns on your head. I don't know. I've had somebody at times bring me a crown of thorns and touched them. And hard for me to even hold them, much less imagine them driving them into my head. Huh? You think you say you're a king? Ha ha ha. Make fun of you. And yet he was Jehovah Shaboath. Sixteen names of God in the Old Testament. Lord, Lord Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi. But Lord Shaboath is mentioned over 200 times in the Old Testament. And it's interpreted in our Bible, King James Bible, as the Lord of hosts. Which means the Lord of the armies. That's who Jesus was. Even though he was king and had 10,000 angels at his disposal, and beck and call, he let pot.
him on trial. He let Herod put him on trial. He opened not his mouth. And yet he was in fact the king. He had all power and all authority. He could have immediately, just them speaking his name in the garden, knocked people down. Just when Jesus said, who are you coming to seek? And they go, Jesus. And he said, I am. What are you telling me, pastor? I'm telling you. We have that kind of anointing and power. You say, well, why can't I just walk through and lay my hands on everybody and everybody immediately get up and get, get immediately healed? I don't know, but I'm telling you, we have that kind of power when we're walking in the anointing. There is that kind of power, the power of the armies of Israel. You are supposed to speak like a prophet. You're supposed to speak like a, a a priest what are you talking about why do people call us and say you know in fact John went on in his chapter and said in his epistle herein is love made perfect that you may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is we so we are in the world there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment what are you saying Walking in the anointing means, Lord, I don't know what tomorrow may hold, but I know you're the King Shaboth, the Lord of hosts. You have the power to speak a word and it's changed. Can God immediately heal? I, I still believe that. Can God immediately touch you? I still believe that. He is the Lord. He has got a prophetic word. What do you say? We loved him because he loved us. Fear hath torment. And, and that's why when Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said it like this, that the eyes I with to God, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. When he called you out of darkness into this marvelous light, when he anointed you with the Holy Ghost, I'm here to tell you, you can walk in that kind of anointing. I don't know who you'll come in contact with, but if the Spirit of the Lord quickens you speak a word like a prophet and say you know what God is able God can deliver God can set you free what are you doing I'm talking like an anointed prophet of God you say well all of a sudden I, I was just talking to somebody and I felt an unction of the Holy Ghost to speak a word like a priest and begin to intercede. Oh God, have mercy on this person. Oh God, pray for my children. Oh God, have What are you doing? I'm interceding like a priest. A priest was able to say, I, you don't have the power, but I'll carry your problems into the Holy of Holies. I'm going to act like I'm anointed. I'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. Sometimes, the unction of the Holy Ghost may come and you want to act like a king. Listen, God's got this. And you go, how do you know? I just know in whom I have believed and he is able. 
What are you saying? It's time to walk in that kind of anointing. If we've ever walked in the anointing before, what is the exceeding greatness? Here, here's what Paul said of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in all in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but in the world to come and put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all Later, Paul said, you're not wrestling flesh and blood. But what are you wrestling? Principalities. Powers. Anybody ever know what? All of a sudden, a thought, a principality, fear, anxiety, worry, huh? Frustration. Oh, God, what's going to happen? Ever had those? Boom. Another. That's when you've got to walk in the anointing and take authority like the king of kings. I'm not the king of kings, but I'm connected in the king of kings. And what the Holy Ghost says, I can say, greater is he that is in me than that spirit of fear. Greater is he. I'm speaking like an anointed king. I don't feel very kingly right now but it's time to talk like a king it's time to talk like a priest it's time to talk like a prophet that's why when you read the, the, the last book of the Bible 17th chapter 14th verse it says these shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them for he is Jehovah Shaboth Lord of the armies 